Let's pray now. Dear God, thank you so much for for Susan. Thank you so much for the words you've given her. Thank you so much for um, for the blessings on all around us. Uh, The blessings of springtime, um, of warmth, of beauty, uh, of flowers. Beautiful in springtime, um, though uh, warmer than the spring sun. Um, uh, thank you so much for, for being here um, with us. Um, we confess it's been hard uh, to tolerate um, uh, restrictions with the coronavirus, um, that um, it's been hard for, for all of us to manage with this. Um, thank you for, uh, for all that you're speaking to us um, through this restriction. Um, thank you for, um, for the... Uh, for the hope that you've given us that um, this plasma therapy for the coronavirus, that, um, that blood is what um, is looking like. The, um, this will save us, um, save us from this, this dread disease. And just thank you so much for, for this message. It's not a, not a medicine, um, but, but blood um, that will save us. Um, just ask that you, you bless Susan. Um, um, thank you for the words that that you've given her, um, and just um, open our hearts and, and help us learn from them. Amen. Thank you, John. Good morning. I want to welcome you to join us in worship and learning and teaching at Elizabethtown Mennonite Church this morning. I'm Susan Hassedler. It's my privilege to come and bring you the message today. As I stand here in an empty sanctuary this morning, I am reminded of vividly how the church is not the physical building, but it is the body of Christ, and I am so thankful for that. Despite being scattered, we are still a community on a mission to know God, to nurture relationships, and to experience God's transforming power in Elizabethtown and beyond. This season, as difficult as it is, allows us to reflect on a lot of things differently, because really, things are different, right? We are living in strange times. There are small things that are different. For instance, on Friday, I saw an email to one of my kids. It said, congratulations, you did it. You made it through seven weeks of online learning. And I was like, what? Seven weeks? If you had asked me how long it had been, I could have told you it was either three weeks or three years. I literally didn't know. I have lost all track of time. So that's a small thing that's different. But we're living through some really big things that are different. Many of us are experiencing significant loss, loss of health, loss of seeing our loved ones, loss of jobs, 
many things that we have counted on for our security have been stripped away. And maybe it's become harder to identify ourselves as to who we are, especially when we define ourselves by what we do and our interactions with other people, because really we're doing a lot less and we're interacting with a lot less people. So these are all things I've been considering this week as I worked on this message. We're coming together today, each one of us, with our own very unique experience of the last several weeks. But I know there are two things that every one of us have had have in common. The first is, our lives have been disrupted. And the second one is, nothing about how God sees us and understands us has changed. And as Conrad has been talking about, pointing out, writing about, we are at this rare collective time for both personal and corporate reflection, an opportunity for resetting our souls for the kingdom. What better time for a month of focus on prayer? We can take a new look even a reset look at what prayer is and how we're doing it. It's a good time to cultivate new practices. And so I just want to say thanks to Josh and Janelle Gish, our ministers of discipleship, for setting aside this month to focus on prayer and for the hard work that they have put into this. So today's message is the first of four that will focus on prayer. Today we're going to focus on the aspect of praise in prayer. Uh, the, sometimes we refer to praise as adoration. Praise, adoration, worship, blessing. The other weeks will be on Thanksgiving, confession, and supplication. Or as we refer to them in the junior department, I love you prayers, thank you prayers, I'm sorry prayers, and please prayers. So just a few minutes ago as I talked about how we all experience this time of stay at home differently and uniquely our experience is very unique, the same is true with our prayer life. We're all experiencing we all have different feelings, experiences when it comes to prayer. We bring those experiences to the table this morning. So maybe you spend a lot of time in prayer, maybe very little. Maybe the thought of prayer makes you feel intimidated or excited or guilty. Maybe you've been praying the same way for so long, you no longer look for answers. Maybe you don't see what the fuss of prayer is about, and you just do it because you're supposed to. Maybe your prayer life has been rich and rewarding at different times of your life, but you don't know what makes the difference. Maybe prayer is the center of your day and your life, but you want to be more disciplined about it. Maybe you feel burned out or without direction, or like you could just use a refreshing breeze of revival in your prayer life. Like I said, we all come today with our own life experiences. And maybe you, like me, have experienced all of these things at some point in your life. So no matter where you are today, no matter we, where we are today, we all have the opportunity to make changes and to grow. When I was asked to give the message about praise and prayer for this morning, I got pretty excited for two reasons. The first reason is nothing stays the same when we pray. And the second reason is that nothing has changed my prayers in my life more in the last few years than focusing on praise and adoration in my prayer life. The deepest, most intimate levels of prayer that I have experienced over the past several years have always begun with an extended period of praise. And so out of this experience today, I say, when we nurture praise in our prayer life, we will experience a powerful shift in our attitude, our posture, our perspective, our understanding of ourselves, and most importantly, in our relationship with God. So this morning, you're going to hear a lot of different ways to cultivate praise and adoration in your prayer life. 
don't be overwhelmed. My goal is for us to dig into the word and see different ways of doing this. Find the things that resonate with you to try. You don't need to do everything. So today, our text is Psalm 103. And we're going to walk through it as we consider how we can develop praise in our prayer life. We're going to be looking at what are the ways that David praises God in the psalm. What are some recurring patterns or elements that we see, and how can we apply them to our life? So if you have your Bible, your phone, your whatever, you can turn to Psalm 103. This is one of my most favorite psalms. As you're doing that, I'm going to share just a couple of thoughts about the psalm with you. This is a psalm of David, most likely written later in his life, which when you think about it, it gave him a lot of things to reflect on. We know from reading about David that his life was not an easy one. The psalm was not written by a person who, left an, who led an easy, kept life full of safety and security. David spent a lot of time in danger, running for his life from King Saul, then later running for his life from his son. He fought in many battles. He experienced feast, and he experienced scarcity. He sinned, he suffered consequences and loss in very personal and in very public ways. He had times in his life where he felt close to God, and he had times in his life where he felt very far away. And for me, knowing that he wrote this powerful psalm of praise out of his own experience of failure and his keen understanding of God's grace and love adds a lot of weight to me when I read it. Something that resonated with me in choosing the psalm for this morning about praise was that no matter what our age level is, our maturity level, physically, spiritually, maturity, any of those things, this disruption that we are all experiencing gives us a time to stop and look back and reflect. We're going to see things a lot different than we were, would have 10 weeks ago, six months ago, three years ago. And one more note before we dive into this text. Depending on your translation, Psalm 103 may use the word bless or it may use the word praise. The Hebrew word for this is baruch, which means to kneel in praise or to adore with bended knee. One commentator spoke about the nuance of our definition of to bless in English, which is to give something good, and to praise, which is to recognize the worth of God and express it. So yes, this is all about expressing and treating God as being as glorious, as holy, as majestic, and as beautiful as he really is. So I'm going to start by reading through Psalm 103 in its entirety, then we're going to go back and go through it verse by verse and look at it. So Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and with compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, 
So far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we were formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and then it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Amen, right? So we're going to go through this a few verses at a time and look at what David was doing with praise. So we're going to start with the first verse. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. So something interesting about this, this is not about the outer body. It's not about how we look to other people. It's not about what we're necessarily doing with our body. But it's about praise coming from the deepest and most intimate and important part of us. One of the most fascinating things about this to me is that David is directing himself to do this. He's telling himself. It's a call to worship for himself. Like us, David was human. He probably didn't always feel like praising God. It's okay. It's healthy even that sometimes we call ourselves to worship. Verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So let's pause here for a second. Let's talk about forgetting. We as humans are quick. We are so quick to forget. Consider the Israelites. How long were they in the desert before all of a sudden they were remembering how good bondage and slavery was? I mean, those cucumbers, those melons. They had forgotten what slavery and bondage really meant to them. Jesus frequently told his disciples in the New Testament, remember, remember me, do this in remembrance of me. We need to say these things so we don't forget, so we do remember, so they're as fresh as they were when they happened. Verse 3, here are all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Consider this lavish, lavish love and benefits that God bestow upon us. He doesn't just forgive all our sins. I mean, that's big enough, right? But he does that and he heals all our diseases. He doesn't just redeem our life from the pit. He crowns us with love and compassion. He satisfies our desires, not just for the moment, but so that our youth is renewed. Verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Here's one of my favorite things in scripture and that I love to do when I praise and my worship, and that is naming the attributes of God. God is righteous, he is just. He sees the oppressed, he works for them. And so what he is, is righteous and just. What he does is works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Verse 7. 
he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. God reveals himself. What he does, his ways and deeds always show who he is, always points back to who he is and what his character is. Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Again, more characteristics and traits of the Lord. He's compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. So the word abounding in Latin I found really interesting. It means a wave, a surge, an overflow. So he doesn't just love us. (laughs) It's a wave, a surge of overflow of love. Verse 9. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. We read earlier that he is just and righteous. That's who he is. And now we know he will not hold his just anger forever. We read that he is compassionate and gracious. God shows us that in this line. He doesn't treat us as we deserve or repay us according for our sins. We see more of this in the next several lines. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. So here's the part about who we are. We've been talking about who God is. David has been talking about who God is and what he does. Here's the part about who we are. Our earthly lives are and have always been fleeting. Nothing has changed about that with this pandemic except maybe our awareness. That line has always been razor thin, but I don't know that I was aware of it in the way that I am now. This is really uncomfortable for me to think about. To be honest, I hate it. I hate these verses. I hate how hollow they make me feel inside because you know what? My life is pretty important to me. But consider this, if our earthly and physical lives are the most important thing to us, we've really placed ourselves in the same level as God, right? Because when we praise him and put him in his rightful place, we have to admit where our place is. So while I might feel hollow on the physical realm when I read these, when I add the perspective of the greatness of God, that hollowness gets filled up. And so the verses continue on about our fleeting days. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like the flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. Let's pause here. What is the measure and length of God? Praise differentiates between who we are, fleeting in God, and who God is from everlasting to everlasting. Verse 17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. A way David praises God is by acknowledging God's promises, which again reflect his character. And so this next and final section recognizes the right order of things. So imagine for a minute the earth and the heavens ringing with unadulterated praise. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all the heavenly hosts, 
you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. So let's look now at some of these aspects of praise that David has introduced that we can use in our own prayer lives. Let's start with posture. When you begin to spend time in praise, in your prayer, think of your position and think of your posture. Like I said, both you and God cannot be in the center of your focus. There's only room for one. So you have to choose which one to put there. This is part of that differentiation process. Some days it might be as simple as acknowledging that he is God and you are not. Consider changing your physical posture sometimes when you pray praise. Maybe you kneel or bow. Maybe you raise your hands. But I would just suggest to you experimenting with this. Before you raise your hands, maybe think about laying down everything that you are metaphorically, spiritually, emotionally caring or holding on to. Experience the freedom of praise with outstretched arms that are unburdened. Remember and recount what he has done. Find passages of scripture that proclaim the things he has done and read them aloud. Think of places in your day, in your week, in the month, in your life where you called out to the Lord and he showed up and answered you. This is so rich in your personal prayer time, but don't limit it to there. I have found such encouragement when I encounter this in times of corporate prayer. Words of praise impact those around you. Try focusing on what David called God's benefits. In which ways, in what ways, have you experienced the lavish love that God has bestowed upon you? Be general, get specific. His lavish love calls out for us to respond with our lavish praise and adoration. Spend time in prayer, focusing on the attributes and character of God, who he is and what he does, as well as for what he does not do, like treat us as our sins deserve. You can do your own Bible study and find scriptures that express a specific attribute of God. You can use a Bible app like Bible Gateway to find scripture. Read the scripture out loud. Meditate on it. God's character is unchanging. And really importantly, recognize that you are not always going to feel like praising God. This is where the, the element of discipline becomes so helpful. I find that when I practice praise in prayer regularly, it's much easier for me to do in the good times, in the dry times, in the mundane times, all those in-between times. Pay attention when you feel like not praising God. What's going on in you emotionally? What's going on around you that might be keeping you from it? Observe those things. Think about them and lift them up to him. Remember that this psalm begins with David calling himself to praise God. Again, doing something as simple as acknowledging that God is God and you are not may move you into a new space. And I would urge you, write it down. I know not all of us may feel like writers, but I encourage you to keep a prayer journal. What better way to track your relationship with the Lord? I find that those times that I just cannot seem to muster up praise in my prayer life, rereading the praise portion of my prayer journals really moves me into a different space. And consider this, what if David had never recorded his psalms? What if he had never written down his praise? Like, this is good stuff. We might not be a David. Remember, this is kind of the crown jewel of the praise psalms. 103, it's not David's first psalm. 
But what we put out, what we put in front of the Lord, we want to give him our very best. So don't tell yourself it's not good enough. It is good enough when it comes out of that intimate, personal space. And like I said at the beginning of this message, when we nurture praise in our prayer life, we will experience a powerful shift in our attitude, our posture, our perspective, our understanding of ourselves, and most importantly, in our relationship with God. So let's imagine a little bit what could happen if we began to nurture praise in our prayer life. When we approach prayer with a heart set on adoration, imagine how our posture towards God and towards each other might change. When we spend time naming the attributes of God, imagine how much better we will know his character. When we daily acknowledge that God is who he says he is, imagine how our perspective will change. Watch the heavenlies open up to begin to reveal themselves. When we proclaim what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do, imagine how our faith will grow. Imagine the impact that will have on the faith of those around us. When we stop approaching our relationship with God as somebody who gives us what we want and approach it with love and adoration for who he is, imagine the shift of our attitude towards him. When we discipline ourselves to praise God in prayer in all things, the good, the bad, all the stuff in between, imagine how we will begin to understand his word, the scripture, more clearly and more deeply. We bring a sacrifice of praise. And I think of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Think about how we can start to understand Paul with a whole new depth or David or all these different uh, writers who are expressing God's word. The best of all is this. When we give God our praise, something rises in us as a response to his beauty, his glory, his majesty, his greatness. It is joy. When we give God our praise, something rises up in us as a response to his beauty, his glory, his majesty, his greatness, and it is joy. We are filled with joy because we were created to praise him. Praising God ultimately completes us. Psalm 139 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are amazing. I know that full well. Sometimes praise will give you a sense of God's reality on your heart. There's a difference between knowing God is holy and sensing that holiness and what that means in your heart. So I want to remind you, growing the things we desire takes time, attention, and effort. Growing your prayer life is going to take all of these things. I want to tell you about my front yard. We have these beautiful, mature trees in our front yard. And if you remember a message I gave last spring, you know how partial I am to trees. Love them. Very sad when they get cut down. But I also like grass to look nice. About 10 years ago, I began to notice how bad the grass in my front yard looks. And it's been driving me nuts for years. Every year, every single year, I say, this is the year I'm going to figure out how to grow healthy grass in the front yard. Every year, I try to rope somebody in my family into soil testing or buying new grass seed or researching. But guess what? No one in my family feels like that's a priority. I don't even think it's a top priority for me, or I would have done something about it myself. From a distance, my yard looks okay. I mean, it looks pretty green. But the closer you get to it, 
the more you notice it's not actually green from grass. It's probably about 30% grass. Moss accounts for roughly 50%, and the rest, they're green weeds. <laughs> Guess what? 10 years of nothing but idle talk on my part, it hasn't gotten better. Cultivating takes work. Discipline takes priorities. Nurturing takes attention. When I make that grass in my yard a priority, when I give it attention and work at it, I'm pretty sure I'm going to see results. And so during this reset time, maybe it's the same time, the same way we need to do something in our prayer lives, to make it a priority, give it attention, and work at it. I imagine the results are going to be far more rewarding than my front yard, the grass in my front yard, is ever going to be. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this morning. You were such a good God, and you were great. I praise you for your faithfulness. I praise you for the way that you walk with us. You are always there in the good times, in the hard times, and all those places in between. And so for each person, Lord, I just ask that you would grant them a sense of peace, a sense of encouragement, and a sense of pull to your word and to praising you because you are good. Thank you for what you are doing. I thank you for... Um, the opportunity to have this month to look at prayer in a new way, to consider what it means to us and who you are. And so I just ask you that you would continue to bless us as a community on a mission to know you, to nurture relationships, and experience your transforming power in Elizabethtown and beyond. So we just leave this in front of you saying, Lord, you were good, you were good, you were good. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Jesus, the
a blessing. I feel like we all need a blessing these days. Bye. 